0: Hello, and welcome to the Church 860 podcast. My name is Pastor Chris, and I'm the lead pastor of Church 860, located in Westerville, Ohio. Our podcast will have daily episodes uploaded, where we have curated some of the best Bible teaching from across the globe. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Well, thank you so much for joining us once again. Uh, The holiday seasons are always a little bit complicated for us, because We have some people who are Jewish and only celebrate Hanukkah, particularly in Israel, but not only Israel. And we have Christians who celebrate Christmas. And we have Christians who are (laughs) anti-Christmas. And we have those like me. I celebrate Hanukkah with my family because they're Israeli, but I celebrate only the Nativity. Uh, not the birthday of Jesus, but the birth of Jesus. Uh, I observed the nativity, uh, not his birthday. We don't know when that was or the year, but we, we know he was born. So if you're like me, you observe the nativity without Father Christmas and Rudolph the red Nose reindeer. Uh, but we're always back to Romans 14, 4 and 5 and, and Colossians 2, 16 to 19. One man esteems one day one another. Let each be convinced in his own mind. Who are you to judge the servant of another? If he doesn't, let him do it unto the Lord. And also, uh, let no one be your judge regarding a festival, a new moon, or a Sabbath. So we're not. We have freedom in Christ. We respect all views. We accept all views. It's just that (laughs) we have so many people With, with different views, it's difficult to hit all the targets with any one particular teaching. So we're going to be trying to do our best. We will have a Bible study as normal next week. That will be next Thursday, the day before Christmas Eve. Not Christmas Eve, but the day before Christmas Eve. And we will have Psalm 69, one of the most major, of course, Messianic Psalms, Psalm 69, and that'll put us about halfway through the book of Psalms from the point of view of Messiah and prophecy. Obviously, we're only doing those Psalms that deal with Messiah and prophecy. We're not doing all of the Psalms, but we'll be halfway through uh, by the end of the year, which was my target. It'll have to be decided whether we should continue with the second half of the book of Psalms in the new year, or whether we should go to another book. Exodus uh, and and Hebrews uh, are two that have been floating around as ideas, but I haven't heard anything from the Lord. And uh, feedback from people, what they think would also be appreciated, particularly the people who Join us regularly on uh, on Zoom. Uh, these Bible studies belong to the Lord, but they belong to you more than they belong to me. I have my role, but my role is not to be the autocrat. So, if people would like to continue in this series in the new year, I'm happy to do that, Lord willing. But I'm also happy to consider something different. We need to make a decision, though, and uh, we'll make some kind of an announcement next week. The Bible study will go forward as usual next week with Psalm 69. Uh, Again, a major messianic Psalm. This week on Word for the Weekend, we'll be doing the formula citations. The formula citations that is the nativity of Jesus in the Old Testament, the nativity scriptures about Jesus in the Old Testament that are quoted in the Gospels, in the Nativity narratives in the Gospels. So it'll be the Nativity in the Old Testament, the theological terms, the formula citations. That'll be on Word for the Weekend uh, this Saturday. Now, after that, Word for the Weekend falls on New Year's Eve. We're not going to have anything then. So after next week, our first Bible study, Thursday Night Bible Study, We'll resume on the 6th. We'll resume on the 6th of January, uh, which is known in the West as the Day of the Epiphany. But in the Middle East, it's the main day of Christmas. Most Christians in the Middle East celebrate Christmas, not on the 25th of December, but on the 6th, some even on the 7th, depending on their church, but on the 6th of of December is is Christmas in the Middle East. And... uh, it's a very mixed bag. You've got Eastern Orthodox, Maronite, Roman, Catholics. You've got Protestant, Arabs. It's all quite a mixture. But the 6th of uh, January is the Christmas in the Middle East, but not in the West. It's the Epiphany. So we will be uh, resuming the 6th, our uh, Thursday night Bible studies. Next week, yes. Then a week off. Then we're back on the 6th. Um, we will not have word for the weekend. We'll have it this Saturday. We'll miss the next Saturday, goes to New Year's Eve, but then we'll resume it again the, fo- I'm sorry, the following Saturday immediately. So we'll miss one Saturday of uh, of word for the weekend, and we'll miss one Thursday of the midweek Bible studies. But then everything else will resume. Zoom is normal. That's that's just how we're going to handle it. Uh, again, I make no judgments about whether somebody celebrates Christmas or not or observes or whatever they do. Uh, some people like to do charity things and do things for missions. I think that's nice and so forth. But uh, it's according to your own conscience, your own culture, your own choice. It's between you and the Lord. Just do what is done to the Lord. Moriel has no position. I uh, whether or not you celebrate the birthday of Jesus, (laughs) who knows what his birthday was, but if you want to sing happy birthday to Jesus, go ahead. I don't care. Uh, I just celebrate his birth. (laughs) I just. That's, that's it. And things for needy families, whatever. Of course, those things are, 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 are positive, but, the rest is up exclusively up to you, exclusively up to you. And the same with uh, New Year, it's exclusively up to you. Uh, but that'll be our schedule. Now for tonight, uh, let's begin with Psalm uh, 61 as scheduled, 61st Psalm. This is for the choir director, and it was a poem of David uh, to be accompanied by harp playing, by harp playing. Hear my cry, O God. Give heed to my prayer, or that could be understood supplication, a prayer of desperation. From the end of the earth, I call to thee when my heart is faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I, and of course there's a biblical chorus put, put into a hymn from verse uh, 2. For thou hast been a refuge for me, a tower of strength against the enemy. Let me dwell in thy tent forever. Let me take refuge in, thy sh- in the shelter of thy wings. For thou hast heard my vows, O God. Thou hast given me the inheritance of those who fear thy name. That will prolong the king's life. His years will be as many generations. He will abide before God forever. Appoint loving kindness and truth that they may preserve him. So I will sing praise to thy name forever that I may pay my vows day by day. As is typical of many of the Psalms that we have been studying, Including the magdaim, uh, or uh, this is one where the experience of David foreshadows and prophetically typifies that of Christ. Now, initially, it's purely Davidic. Initially, it is purely Davidic. Verse one, David. Verse two, David. Verse three, David. Verse four, David. Okay. Verse five, a transition begins to take place where it's David figurative of Jesus, of the Messiah. Verse six, you're going to prolong the king's life, and the king, he will then abide before God forever. Appoint loving kindness and truth that they may preserve him. And then, verse eight is, of course, the conclusion of David, saying that he will sing the praise of of thy name forever. So when we get verses 6 and 7 particularly, we have a psalm of David, where David is a shadow of Christ. David is a shadow of Christ. But then there is the third dimension to this psalm. Let's begin to understand this. He's crying out, give heed to my prayer. Now, when Jesus was on the cross,
1: crying out, the father did not give heed to his prayer. The father turned his back on him.
0: When David cries out, Saul's pursuing him, his enemies are trying to kill him, and so forth and so forth. It seems hopeless. Now remember, the promises that were given to David through Samuel the prophet, and the promises on the house of David found in the book of Ruth, David's faith was greatly, greatly challenged about these promises. He's rejected. There's people trying to kill him. And he, of course,
1: foreshadows Jesus.
0: But God hears his prayer. God hears the prayer of David. God does not hear the prayer of Jesus. Not initially. When Jesus was on the cross in my place and yours, and he was calling out to his father, why have you forsaken me? Why have you forsaken me? The father turned a deaf ear to the pleas of his only begotten son. Because... My sin and your sin were put on him.
1: There is, however, one prayer, one prayer of Jesus from that cross, one,
0: that his Father did hear. It was only one prayer that his Father did hear. And that was, Father, forgive them. You're doing this to me. You're letting these people do this to me. You're letting Satan do this to me so that they can
1: be forgiven. David's prayer is heard. Jesus' prayer is not heard.
0: Jesus' prayer that was heard was not a prayer for himself, despite his unspeakably dire circumstances.
1: For David,
0: the Lord was a refuge, a tower of strength against the enemy, being Satan, not just Saul.
1: Let me dwell in thy tent,
0: thy tabernacle, forever. Let me take refuge in the shelter of thy wings. But of course, divine protection
1: was removed from Jesus.
0: You've heard my vows, O God. You have given me the inheritance of those who fear thy name. And this would take place at Hebron in 2 Samuel 5. The inheritance of those who feared the Lord. When they, crowned, when they proclaimed David as the king and Saul was gone. It continues. You will prolong the king's life. His years will be as many generations. Now it begins to allude and figure to Christ. He will abide before God forever. Notice it is no longer speaking simply about David. It can't be. David can only abide forever before God because of the resurrection.
1: It's talking about Jesus.
0: He abides before God forever. A point loving kindness and truth that they may preserve him. Well, it's David. Now, we make this hymn, this devotional hymn, and it's a hymn or a chorus that is of praise, but it's also of personal encouragement. It's like a psalm we sing,
1: both individually and corporately,
0: as a source of encouragement. Give heed to my cry, O God. Give heed to my supplication. From the end of the earth I call to thee. When my heart is faint, lead me to the rock that's higher than I. Lead me to that rock that is higher than I am. When life is against us, when the world is against us, when Our work, our professions, are against us. When unbelieving family are against us. When the apostate church is against us. Lead me to the rock that's higher than I. I remember Alison Dodd. She was a memorial administrator at one time, and this is going back a number of years. She had been a royal administrator for a number of years, but she had been a senior manager just under executive level with the same company. For 15 or 16 years, she'd been with this company. She built up a good reputation as a manageress and good reputation in dealing with clients and a good reputation as a a hard and honest worker and she climbed the ladder within the company up to a certain level of management.
1: 16 years with the company. Company liked her, wanted to keep her. Maybe even continue to promote her
0: but she witnessed to a homosexual. She told the homosexual about her faith in Jesus. And very discreetly, she made it clear that she did not agree with that lifestyle because Scripture says it's wrong, but that Jesus can set you free from it. There are other Christians who have been set free from it by the power of Jesus she didn't do this
1: as a manageress she didn't do this on company time
0: she didn't use her position with the company to communicate and share her faith but she shared her faith
1: with the homosexual
0: She was fired within a week. It went up several levels of management. How do you just fire a manageress who's been with us 16 years, who does such a good job, and the clients love her? Didn't matter. A homosexual who was new to the company and who didn't last with the company, gone in no time, made a complaint, and it became a quote-unquote gay rights issue, and freedom of speech, freedom of religion, those things were trumped by the gay agenda. Allison
1: was fired, fired promptly in a week.
0: I wouldn't say every day of the week, but probably every week of the year. Somewhere, I don't know. I'm getting stories all the time. I warned years ago, I mean, I've warned 20 years ago, it was going to become more and more difficult for Christians to be in the police, to be school teachers in state schools, to be in the legal profession, to be in the medical profession. It was going to become more and more difficult. Several weeks ago, I lost a dear friend, temporarily, Alan McIntyre. Alan was a fire chief in Liverpool in the fire department. True scouse, but a competent guy. It was interesting to me that Allison's husband, Allison's husband, Mervyn had been a fire chief, and Alan had been a fire chief, and they both did administrative works for Moriel. You'll find that people who have responsible positions in the secular world, when they're consecrated to Christ, they're very, very good at it. <laughs> They're perfect. Because they have the human ability and experience as a fire chief. Guy with a serious job. You know. Well, Alan was the same as, as Allison's husband, Mervyn. They're both with the Lord now. But, and they were both a loss. to me personally into the ministry. But, Alan was ordered to march in a quote-unquote gay pride parade in Merseyside, Liverpool. He was ordered to do it by government. Allen said, I can't do this because of my faith. Allen was no longer a fire chief. Allen had to take early retirement Well, he's gone to his reward a few weeks ago. I remember my friend, very dear friend, Dr. Michael Harry. He was an Englishman. But his family lived in New Zealand. I knew his brothers, both of his brothers. And it was funny, one of his brothers was a primary school teacher in a little town in New Zealand, and the other brother was an undertaker. But Harry, Michael Harry, he was an obstetrician. And I used to make the joke when I visited, when I spoke in the church in the town where they lived and I Obviously, we knew acquaintances with the family. I'd say, I said, sooner or later, everybody in this town does business with the Harry family. One gets them coming, one gets them going, and one gets them going. <laughs> they had a teacher, little kids, they had an obstetrician, and they had an undertaker. <laughs> but Michael... Was called to the ministry as a medical missionary, and he was the senior GYNOB at the Christian Hospital in Nazareth, Israel, for more than 20 years. He loved Israel and the Jewish people, and he saved the lives of many, many babies. And women, many. Most of the patients were Arabs, Arab Christians, and Druzies. But the hospital had a very high reputation among the Jewish-Israeli hospitals for the quality of their medical staff and their nursing staff. They had a good reputation. Uh, and I knew, I knew Christians who worked in the, or the Jewish believers who worked in the hospitals and things and Haifa and so forth. And there was a directness of nurses who said, I wish that my nurses were as good as, as dedicated as those nurses. But of course, those nurses were, were medical missionaries. They weren't just doing it as a profession. They were doing it unto the Lord as, 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 as missionaries, which accounts for their dedication. Michael saved a
1: lot of lives. and
0: Michael returned to Europe, not to England but to Denmark. His wife was Danish. He' was married to a Danish believer. And Michael used to organize my meetings in Denmark with Ule with Ule. Uli does it now, but it was Michael and Ule initially. And Michael had six years through normal retirement age. He was highly experienced and well regarded within his profession and at that time Britain was still in the EU. His British medical credentials were recognized in Britain, in most Commonwealth countries, if not all of them, and in Israel. And they were recognized in EU countries, providing you could speak the language, and he spoke fluent Danish. So he was there, and Michael stood against the Toronto experience in, in Scandinavia and he warned about these things and the, he, he warned about the word of faith money preachers and he warned against replacement theology. He was a doctrinally solid guy. And he was my friend. But
1: he couldn't get a job.
0: Because he said I entered the medical profession as a Christian to save lives. And I became a medical missionary and trained as an obstetrician to save the lives of babies.
1: Don't expect me to kill them. He refused to perform non-therapeutic abortions. They wouldn't let him be an
0: obstetrician anymore. Nobody would give him a job.
1: Highly qualified, highly educated. Had another friend
0: who I better not mention because she's still practicing, but younger woman an anesthetist, an anesthesiologist, physician, and she would not scrub or anesthetize a patient for a non-therapeutic abortion. It had to be something like an ectopic pregnancy or necessary to save the life of the mother, or she would not participate in the surgical procedure. And she had nothing but trouble. Nothing but Trouble! When you talk to the Christian Lawyers Fellowship, same thing. Perhaps worst of all have been the plight of Christian teachers. I remember I was in Shropshire, England, Shropshire, England. And I was with a Christian headmaster of a children's school and his wife. She was also a teacher, but he was the headmaster of the soul and the man was literally crying he says Jacob look at this and he showed me a binder with a picture of an Islamic mullah facing Mecca leading worship to Allah and of a Roman priest saying mass and of a Buddhist monk and of a Hindu uh, Brahmin and uh, and it was a teacher's manual for religious education and a guide for school assemblies. And it says, "This is the kind of image, imagery you need to emphasize for these children." They were trying to get little kids, I mean, beginning age six, to be indoctrinated at the taxpayer's expense in schools, to forget about, I am the Lord, your God, you'll have no gods before me.
1: They're all co-equally valid. He said, I can't teach this.
0: When I first became, he's the headmaster now, he said, when I first became a teacher, the school system was run on Judeo-Christian values.
1: From fire chiefs to physicians to teachers. Getting worse. Getting worse. And it is going to get worse Still, our hearts will be overwhelmed. Hear my cry, O oh God, give heed to my prayer.
0: This is without even touching on the Potential implications of COVID vaccinations or anything, we'll avoid that.
1: My heart is faint.
0: I've been doing cesarean sections for 30 years to save babies. Now they want me to kill
1: them? I used to lead assemblies that told stories from the Bible and read from the Psalms. Now they want me to teach Allahu Akbar?
0: My job was putting out fires and saving lives, not marching in gay pride parades.
1: Hear my cry, O oh God.
0: Give heed to my prayer. From the ends of the earth I call to thee when my heart is faint. Lead me to the rock that's higher than I. For thou hast been a refuge for me, a tower of strength against the enemy. Let me dwell in thy tent forever, and let me take shelter. Refuge in thy shelter of thy wings. Well, let's begin with the rock who's higher than I. Look with me, please, to First Corinthians, chapter three, verse eleven. No man can lay a foundation other than the one which was laid, which is Jesus Christ. The previous verse, Paul says, he was given the grace by God to have the wisdom of a master builder. He laid a foundation. Nothing is building upon it, but let each man be careful how he builds. No one can lay a foundation Other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, it does not say Christ Jesus. It says Jesus Christ. As most of you know, Christ Jesus refers to his position in eternity. Jesus Christ is his position on earth. It's like the Son of Man and the Son of God coming to earth as Son of Man, eternally is the Son of God. The foundation is Jesus Christ. Now that's very interesting in the Greek. uh, Christ is referred to as the rock of our salvation in the New Testament as the Petra, which is The word for like a boulder and it's a feminine word but in greek gender does not have to do with sex necessarily or even primarily it's the way a word is used in the context and construction of a sentence so you can have things that are sexually masculine in the feminine and things that are feminine in the masculine. I've explained before, this is what the homosexual and lesbian agenda has picked up on. Uh, I think most of you know this, but maybe for the sake of the recording, I'll just go through it really quick. Chromosomally, there's only X and Y chromosomes. (laughs) You are the Double X or so your XY. <laughs> Basically, there's a rare phenomenon of super males, but not many. Very few in human history. Uh, genetically, there's masculine and feminine. But linguistically, in certain languages, Greek among them, you can have something that's masculine, referred to as feminine, and feminine, referred to as masculine, this is called gender. So the biological term or definition of gender is abandoned in favor of the linguistic grammatical one. They know that they are X or Y. They cannot deny that. You can have a transsexual so-called, in a medical condition requiring medical treatment and certain drugs, and it doesn't matter, they say that they are transsexual, it doesn't matter that they have themselves surgically resculpted and identify as a woman or a man. The physicians have to take into account if they're X or Y. That's the only thing that matters. When you look at the biostatics, The side effects of drugs among men and women can vary and things like this. Clinically, they have to look at the genetic definition. They cannot look at the linguistic definition. So what the homosexual and lesbian activists have done is demand people ignore the genetic definition of gender, and replace it with the grammatical one, where something masculine can be feminine and feminine can be masculine. (laughs) It's absurd. But that's what they've done. That's exactly what's happened. Well, this is a case where Jesus is the Petra. Now, we've explained this on our teaching upon this rock from Matthew, the Roman church argument that thou art Peter, you know, thou art Petros, and upon this Petra built my church. (laughs) Well, Jesus had to call Peter the rock because he was a male. This is ridiculous. Petros is a small chip of stone, and it is masculine. Petra, being the large rock boulder, is feminine. That that Catholic apologist, Scott Hahn, was either a blithering ignoramus or or a liar. (laughs) I would have loved to debate him or Carl Keating, but be that as it may, uh, Jesus is the rock. He's the rock of our salvation, the stone that the builders rejected. That's him. He's the rock. So, what is the solution when we're in a crisis, when we're calling out to God,
1: when our heart is faint, when it's all coming against us? Mm-hmm. Lead me to the rock. The rock is not the boulder. It's the person.
0: The solution is Jesus personally. Nothing going to happen to you, nothing going to happen to me if we are in God's will that Jesus is not going to be with us. Just like that fourth man walking in the oven with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. (coughs)
1: When you look for the safe place, find him.
0: Before you look for a solution to a problem or a dilemma, before you look for an answer to the question, what shall I do? What shall I do? Before you ask that question, before you look for a solution to the problem, you go to the rock go to Jesus personally. Once he shows up,
1: the other questions will be
0: answered automatically. In God's way and in God's time, but they will be answered automatically. The solution to a problem is never the solution. The solution to a problem is Jesus.
1: Think about temptation with sin. How can I stop doing this sin?
0: Some people, something from the old nature, covetousness, gambling. Something sexual, something this, something that, something the other thing. We've all got something.
1: Every time we say yes to sin, we should picture him
0: hanging on the cross, paying for it. Is that what he died for so he can keep doing it? No, the grace of God is to give us repentance. That hyper-grace teaching of Joseph Prince and those people is completely, completely heretical. We've said this before. How does God continue to be hurt? If Jesus died, how does God continue to be hurt by our sin? Well, he's already dead and he rose, so how can we hurt Jesus by sinning? Because when we sin, we grieve his spirit. Somebody is never going to get victory over a sin by trying to get victory over the sin. They're going to get victory over the sin by turning to Jesus. That's it. Of course, when we sin, we're saying no to God and yes to the devil. We're giving the devil the keys to come in. And that's a horrible thing, and we all deal with it. The solution is not finding a way to deal with the sin. The solution is the Lordship of Jesus. Christians always tend, not always, and not all Christians, but many, probably most Christians, tend to look for a solution to a problem by asking God for the solution.
1: Jesus is the solution. What happens after that is up to
0: him. Commit your way to the Lord. Your plans will be established. No. You can't always escape the adverse circumstances of life in this fallen world. You might be in a position you just can't get out of it, humanly speaking. And you try to get out of it. I'm in a situation now. Our ministry is international. I have needs to travel abroad. I've had, normally at Christmas time, I'm with our kids in the Philippines or Africa or something like that. I go to the third world for Christmas with kids. I can't do that because of this. I couldn't do it last year because of this. Now they want you to get vaccinations for this and the I can't go to Israel. I can't, can't even go to the States. It's, 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 everything's a mess. <coughs> it can rack my brain looking for a solution. I'm looking at the wrong place. I've got to go to the rock. Jesus, you know this mess, you show me. (coughs) Show me what I should do and what I should not do.
1: But then it continues. Why do we have
0: this power of strength? Why do we have this refuge? (coughs) Why do we have this shelter
1: in his wings?
0: Why can we be sure, however he wishes to do it, One way or another, how can we be sure in a time of crisis and adversity, the Lord will hear our prayer? How can we be sure in times of crisis and adversity, how can we be positive with the solid faith that he is going to hear our prayer? Well, yes, the scripture tells us so. But on what basis? When we feel we are being killed, and Paul says we've been put to death all day long, life in this fallen world is killing us. You know, I mean, I've been imposed by Orthodox Jewish rabbis. I'm not blowing my own trumpet or anything, but on the front page of the Jewish Telegraph in England, the newspaper, I read things about me that I didn't even know about myself. <laughs> I no—I I knew I wasn't the nicest guy in the world, but I didn't know I was half that wicked. You wouldn't believe the things they said about... They called me a missionary extraordinaire, and they put all this whole rap sheet about me. <laughs> I can handle that. Goes with the turf. I was attacked by a gang of 40 Muslims, 40, and Speakers violently in Speaker's Corner in London, England.
1: Goes with the turf.
0: I remember we were preaching the gospel in Israel, and Orthodox Jews began throwing bricks at us. Nobody likes that stuff, but I can handle it. Okay. It's the way it is. You'll be hated by all for my name's sake. You preach the gospel, that's what you get. Okay. I'm not complaining. There's Christians in prison for their faith and... Islamic and Muslim countries, uh, communist countries, have had worse than I ever did. Beaten up, roughed up, threatened—all of that. But uh, these people have been martyred. I knew people who—I knew Richard Warbrand. I—I I knew him. I knew people who had been tortured. I'm not saying it was easy, but it was easier for me spiritually and emotionally to handle that than it is the slander and defamation I've gotten from people professing to be Christians because of my stand on doctrinal issues for opposing
1: heresy. false brethren. Go to the rock that's higher than I am. It's quite a thing. But I have no right to complain.
0: Says in Job, this is pretty much says the same thing in Lamentations and Ecclesiastes. Because of our sin, nobody has a right to complain about anything. (laughs) We're so contaminated and wicked before a holy and perfect God, no matter what happens to us, no matter how terrible it is, we have no right to whinge or complain. Now, the Scriptures allow for the complaints Kolir Adonai, Kolir Adonai, Kol Adonolol, Ezak Ezak, Kolir Adonai, Ezak Ezak, Kolir Adonai, Etchanan Etchanan, Kolir Adonai, Etchanan. Espoch, Espoch, Espoch lefanad sichi. I will pour out my complaint or my conversation before Him. The Scriptures take this into account that we're human and we do these things. But that's it.
1: Uh, Despite these things,
0: when life gets to us, when in some minor sense, and I use the term very cautiously, when we feel we're being crucified (laughs) for standing up for truth and righteousness, we are dying with Christ by faith.
1: And during these times, we call out to the Lord, And
0: we know, based on the promise of his word, the Lord will hear us. But why will he hear our prayer? Why has he obligated himself to hear our prayer? He will hear our prayer. Because he did not hear the prayer of his own son.
1: When his son took our sin, he was forsaken. We should have been forsaken. We should have been rejected. But because he was, we won't be.
0: Now, we talk about the goodness of God and his love and his mercy and he'll encourage us and he'll help us. And all of those things are obviously very true. Certainly they're true. Praise God, they're true. Of course they're true.
1: But there's more to it than that. The reason we can
0: experience that kind of mercy, that kind of grace, that kind of power and an hour of weakness
1: is because his son couldn't. Actually,
0: he wouldn't. The Father would have sent him the three legions of angels, as we've said.
1: But if he didn't, we couldn't. We can, because he didn't. That's the rock.
0: When we go through these things and life is caving in on us, no matter what it is, no matter from what direction, it could be personal, it could be health, it could be finance, it could be ministry, it could be family, it could be whatever it is, a combination of things, whatever it is,
1: we go to that rock. And that rock is higher than we are. It's there for us. Free of charge. No, not free of charge. Somebody paid the price.
0: It's not free. Somebody gives you a present for Christmas or Hanukkah. (laughs) It's a gift that's free to you, but it wasn't free.
1: Of course, salvation is that.
0: What refuge is that? The reason we have a refuge in Christ is because he had no refuge.
1: Hear my cry, give heed to my prayer. This is Jesus. God says... Yes to David. God says, yes to you. He says, yes to me. Because he said no to his son.
0: Lead me to that rock. That's higher than I for thou hast been a refuge to me, a tower of strength against
1: the enemy. Satan thought he had the victory on the cross. But of course, we know it was a gambit. It continues. That will prolong the king's life. He'll abide before God forever. That's wonderful. Yes, Jesus will abide before his Father forever. But look what else it says
0: a place of refuge for me to dwell in your tent forever.
1: We share in his eternal status. You see, we don't go through anything. Pain,
0: rejection, difficulty, we don't go through anything that he didn't go through on our behalf before we did.
1: And so it is. He is that rock
0: that's higher than I. Whatever problem you have or are having or whatever problem you will have, remember, don't confuse the answer with the solution. Commit your way to the Lord. Your plans will be established. That'll be God's answer. But the solution is the rock. He's a rock who's higher than I. He's higher than me. He's higher than you. We know these things. We indeed know these things. David only had a shadow of it, a hint of his descendant who would be the Messiah. We now see, in retrospect, what David only could see in shadow.
1: Yet, God used David to speak not only for himself, but to speak for us.
0: Oh Lord, these times in which we live are indeed difficult. Hated by all nations for your namesake. Getting difficult, Lord, for Christians in business and professions. Getting difficult, Lord, for churches. It's getting difficult for faithful clergy and apostate denominations.
1: Lawlessness is increasing. Antichrist is on the horizon. Please, Lord. Hear our
0: prayer, not only of petition, but of thanksgiving, that because you did not hear the prayer of your son, you will hear our prayer as you heard the prayer of David. Lead us to the rock that is higher than we are. In Jesus' name, for Jesus' sake, amen. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Church 860 podcast. We hope that you've enjoyed it. If you have, we ask that you would like and subscribe to the podcast so that you can get daily updates. If you'd like to know more about Church 860, please visit church860.com. Thank you. God bless.